0: The digital revolution has left many of us feeling like we're in a brave, new, but unfamiliar world. It's not just a source of entertainment for our children, it's at the very core of their social lives too. And more than that right now, it's where they're getting their education from. But many of us find it hard to relate to what we see as an addiction-like need for our teens to be connected. Hello and welcome to the Study Sessions podcast. I'm Nathan, the founder of The Study Buddy and your host. In this series, I talk to a range of experts, parents and students, about how we can get the most out of studying at home. From nutrition to sleep, and from stress to mental health, we'll be exploring how best to support our young people. There'll be a new episode out every Friday morning, so subscribe, review, and don't be afraid to share with others. Today, I'm talking to Vicky Shopbolt, CEO and founder of The Parent Zone. The Parent Zone is a social enterprise that's devoted to helping families navigate through the digital age. Vicky, thank you so much for joining me today. Before we launch into talking digital, um, I'm really interested to know what kind of a student you were at school and what your favourite subjects were.
1: That's kind of a terrible question to ask me because I was an absolutely appalling student. I didn't enjoy school. I, um, I had moments of, of just flashes of success, let's say. I, I kind of liked French. I kind of liked the sciences I kind of enjoyed politics, but I enjoyed um, partying and having fun and not doing my homework far, far too much. So my school days, I can't look back on them and describe them as a triumph, if I'm honest.
0: <laughs> I think it's just about my children aren't in earshot because um, I I, agree, I think I studied the bottom of a pint glass more than anything else. <laughs> I, I should say at university rather than at school, just to be <laughs> hastily add that. And I think it's just as well. It sounds like uh, from your own experience as well that we didn't have digital when we were at school and growing up because it's a, a we had enough distractions. But as it stands, digital has become such a huge and encompassing part of our lives. There was a, a point not so long ago that we lost the internet connection in the house, and I remember having to broach the subject with my children, um, telling them it, it, I'm sure it will come back and don't panic. It almost felt a bit like it was grief counselling. Uh, how did we get to this point where digital, that digital? we'd struggle to cope without it? I
1: think it's interesting because you almost frame that question as though the point that we've got to is not a good point. And I would challenge you to think about plumbing slightly randomly. So I remember having a conversation with somebody that runs a, a children's charity and her saying that... A sign of poverty once upon a time would have been not having an indoor bathroom and it would have been seen as utterly unacceptable. It is utterly unacceptable. It was a massive step forward when everybody had access to indoor plumbing. And I think of digital in the same way. Digital is not something that, you know, we've allowed ourselves to slip into a digital world and that's a terrible thing. We've progressed to the position now where everybody can be connected to the world of opportunity that is the internet and so, yeah, I, I'm with your kids. I would need grief cancelling if my digital access was cut off. In the same way, um, my husband broke our oil pipe at my house, which meant I didn't have hot water for 24 hours, and I was really quite grumpy for 24 hours until it got fixed. So, I, you know, I think I'd come at that question slightly differently.
0: So is this a case then that it's, it's like my mum and dad would say that I needed to get away from the telly? And get outside and play more, even though telly back then was only a little bit in the afternoon and maybe on a Saturday morning. Is it just that I'm I'm overlaying how my childhood was on my children, and not and not looking at how it's progressed?
1: Possibly. I mean, I think when you go through a social change that's been as rapid as the one that we've seen with the internet, it's it's kind of inevitable that we will struggle to realign what's socially normal um, to the new. The new reality, and I think that's something that families are doing right now more than they've ever, ever had to do before. But fundamentally, applying those sorts of, you know, stop watching so much television, your eyes will go square, which is what my mother used to say back in that day. It was about two hours worth of children's television available to watch, and it was all pretty bad. Um, But nonetheless, you did that. Your eyes are going to go square. Applying that kind of lens to something that's much more fundamental than just watching the telly isn't all that helpful.
0: I think that's right, in that the devices and the laptops aren't just entertainment for our children, are they? They're also communications tools. They're a source of learning at the moment, certainly.
1: And they're much bigger than that, too. So we we tend to kind of distill conversations about the digital world into devices and what sits on those devices, apps. We don't very often talk about the world of open learning that's available, So I'll give you an example. I, for the first time in my life, have started to grow plants from seeds. Uh, I say grow. I put seeds in pots and I'm hoping for results. And where did I go to find out how to grow my own tomato plant? I went online. My son goes to university in New York and he can't be there at the moment. So what's he doing? He's enjoying all of his lectures and accessing a huge world of learning digitally. It's not really about the devices. It's not really about the platforms. It's about the connectedness. It's about the opportunity that a connected world brings. And that's the thing that I think we, we need to celebrate. And weirdly, it's the thing that we sort of forget. We just talk about, oh, is he on the iPad again? Or, oh, I see he's downloaded house party. What's he going to do with that? And for me, that's that's kind of entirely missing the point.
0: But do you accept that it is still an issue for um Maybe, maybe more for younger uh, children who, who do find that, that lure of entertainment. Are we creating um, lazy children who uh, are looking for that instant gratification of a house party fix?
1: Oh, every generation's accused of going to hell in a handcart, aren't they? And, and <laughs> the weird thing, the weird thing at the moment is, I mean, and, and just going back to my answer about what an appalling student I was at school, this generation is probably the, the best generation we've ever had. They're socially aware, they're drinking less, they're doing fewer drugs, they're having sex later, they're, you know, they're, they're a great generation. And yet we still look at them and go, oh, I know, but they're a bit lazy because they're spending too much time on their devices. But that's not to say that, do I share the, the concern that everybody has around how do you balance all of the different stuff that's in your life now and make sure that it, none of it becomes too overwhelming. So do I feel at the moment as I'm spending too much time with my headphones in on Zoom meetings and in Hangouts and all the other ways that you can connect? Yes, I do, actually. We have to find ways to achieve balance with technology. But I don't think just focusing on you know, whether or not a child's played two hours on Minecraft is all that important really
0: because we've found that with studying haven't we that as you with your um, analogy of a growing um, seeds and, and fingers crossed they um they come to something for you but there's just so much out there there's so much between youtube videos of people with um ticks to show that they're the right people or not um, you've got apps as you say there are websites resources so you you literally you could spend all day um just finding this stuff how, how difficult do you think it is for our children to discern from something that's more entertaining and something that's more factual?
1: I think one of the most interesting things that I've heard a parent say, two parents have said it actually to me recently, which is that being at home and educating their children at home, as we have all been over the last few weeks... Has allowed them to kind of draw back the curtain on what children's learning, what children are learning in school, and in some some instances, look behind that curtain and think, "Oh, I'm not all that impressed." Actually, I think I think I could do that better or differently, or I I would find that boring if I was having to sit through that lesson. Um, and I I do think that we're being a little bit slow to make sure that we're focusing on the right sort of skills and behaviours and knowledge that children need in order to navigate their way through this incredibly confusing and expansive world of digital information and entertainment. Because it's it's
0: tricky, as you say, as someone who's working from home, um, as a number of parents are, will be on meetings, um, remotely desperate to, to maintain some kind of uh, social interaction, so Zoom meetings and and others. And then the children are having very much the same kind of things. So a lot of schools are doing the um, online supported learning or distance learning, remote learning. Um, And so they're being plonked in front of screens um, and being asked to carry on. That feeling you talked about before of um, just having had too much screen time after eight hours, how does that play out with our children? Because many of their hobbies are then will be based on other screens, maybe a different device, but they'll still be screen-based. Do you think there's any negative effect of um, of literally spending that much time in front of um, screens and without human interaction?
1: Well, I, I would question the without human interaction. Um, and and that's, that's playing into that old notion that um, somehow an online relationship or online communication is less valid than offline. And if it wasn't possible... To continue to have good relationships with technology, we'd all be a bit of a pickle right now because it's what we're all managing to do remarkably successfully. So I do think there's a human interaction there that's perfectly valid and can be achieved with screens.
0: I think what's interesting about this lockdown period is that what we'll see then is that we as adults and as parents will reevaluate the way that our children use the social media. So, whereas in the past I may have said it's a, a shallow, kind of friendship that's being formed through snapchat or instagram in actual fact now i'm looking at it as being entirely valid for myself so why shouldn't it be as valid for uh, for our children i think it'll be an interesting dynamic in that in that shift
1: i think it's going to be a really interesting dynamic my something is that it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened for intergenerational understanding of technology because we've all suddenly been thrown on onto the same page really we've all been forced to start to use technology to manage our friendships and our work and everything else and out of that I think we'll come a a much better shared understanding um and also a much better shared understanding of the challenges too so I you know it is expecting people to do something in front of a screen all day is is probably too much so my my team at parent zone have times in the day when they're not using screens we've just had a you're not allowed to book any more meetings message go out because so many of us were spending too much time in front of our screen. So I think we'll all start to have a much better shared understanding and, and through that, a better way of talking to each other about what's okay and what's not okay.
0: And Do you think also we might get a better appreciation of the kinds of risks that are involved or some of the dangers and hazards that are out there? Because as you mentioned before, this is a, a a phenomenal opportunity it's democratizing it's um there's so much about it that's wonderful but at the same time you can't help but be reminded of the horror stories of um of actually not knowing who it is that you're talking to in some um in some context of social media channels that will allow the chatting and then suddenly thinking is my early teen talking to actually another early teen, or is it something altogether more sinister? How do we, as parents, sort of overcome that gut reaction of, well, if it's not safe, don't do it. Try to educate ourselves and help our children.
1: It's really difficult, isn't it? Because your overwhelming desire as a parent is to protect, and um, you don't want your child to do anything that you think of as dangerous. In the offline world, that's that's a, a something that we've managed to overcome pretty effectively. And if, if, if you looked at the real risks to children, one of the most substantial ones is the risk of being run over. But we have managed, um, by understanding how roads work, by knowing that we can teach our children how to cross the road, by all of those things, we have managed to rationalise our fear with an understanding that we do need to empower our children to be able to go out of the house.
0: I can definitely recognise in myself that you think the, the risks outweigh the rewards and therefore don't do it. Or even taking some um, more draconian measures of just, I suppose, eliminating the risk rather than um, providing a safe environment for the children to to make mistakes uh, or to, to sort of encounter them themselves. How do we as parents overcome that because i think this is isn't this the issue that i it's not a technology that i've grown up with
1: i suspect you're younger than i am looking at you on a zoom screen and you know we did we we were the generation that invented this technology you know bill gates is our age Uh, he's my age probably not your age
0: this must just be really good lighting (laughs) (laughs)
1: um you know steve jobs was was not in his 30s you know it's just that idea that somehow or another there's, there's this elderly generation that's incapable of understanding technology is a incorrect and b deeply unhelpful because it does put a barrier between us and our children that doesn't need to be there so of course you're not always going to enjoy the same apps and services that they're going to enjoy in the same way that you're not probably going to enjoy the same music that they enjoy or the same tv programs but you can understand the digital world you can understand the fundamentals of things like live streaming or live chat great grandparents can use mobile phones so we can get to grips with this technology if we choose to when my son started enjoying cricket did I say oh I'm really sorry I can't come and watch you play cricket I can't I can't really cheer you on because I don't even like the game, and I didn't grow up playing it. Of course I didn't. I found out about cricket, and actually I do quite like it now, which is a bit scary.
0: So as these new services get developed, and if you think about the proliferation of services that have come, and the iPhone is, is what, 14? Not even that, just over 10 years old, 11 years old now. In that time, we've seen this exponential growth of um, social media, connected media, um say the the live streaming kind of services is it even vaguely possible to keep on top of of all of this
1: I think you ask a really a really good question actually in a in a space that changes as fast as the digital world and the speed of innovation has definitely uh, changed you know it's it's astonishing actually how many new services have come out when I think back to when uh, the fourth tv channel launched now i'm really showing my age that was like a big moment and i think there were another i don't know how long we waited until another channel came along maybe another five years or something crazy whereas now new things are coming out all the time and how do you keep up with a world that's changing that fast and i suppose i would say the only good thing about that is that your access to information in that world have also has also speeded up so whenever there's a new risk that emerges or a new functionality that poses a risk even if it is not necessarily in itself harmful there will be resources produced um, as quickly as people are able to reduce uh, produce them for you to go and look at i mean that's what parent zone does every day of the week we have a team who keep churning out content to try and keep up with this pace of change whilst always trying to distill it back to that, what is the functionality, all a parent can do is keep reading about it, keep updating themselves and try and be interested, really. You have to be really interested in the digital world in order to guide your children through it.
0: I think from from what you just said, that sounds very much like, uh, um, as you said earlier, a guest that we had, uh, Dominique Thompson, who was talking about the role of a parent being to... To help their child survive without them so actually this notion that that, that technology is accelerating it's not a case of giving up and accepting you can't keep up but we should we should as parents be doing our best but actually if we fundamentally have taught our children right from wrong um, and done all we can to encourage them to be confident in themselves and so on actually they should be prepared for these new risks we're, we're preparing our child for the road and not um the, the super highway if you like for our children
1: exactly one of the best descriptions of parenting that i've ever come across is is somebody who said that parenting was actually about raising a child who could flourish in the society that you were raising them into and actually the society that we're raising children in right now is a society that's a very digital society i think the 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 only thing i would say which which we encourage parents to have on their radar, but we try and we try and say this in a way that doesn't sound super scary. But I do think there is a question for us all about the world that is emerging because there is behaviour online which is amplified and which wouldn't be tolerated offline. And some of the bad actors, they are able to learn their craft, if you like, online. So there are more of them. So that stranger danger issue, that issue of children being groomed online, it's not just that offline grooming has gone online. It's that online has increased the number of people who have an unhealthy interest in children. So I do think there's a question for us about the way that the world is developing and some of the unpleasant aspects of it that are being amplified by the Internet. And parents need to be aware of that, too. And we as adults need to make some decisions about what's acceptable and what's not.
0: Because you do definitely hear a lot more about cyberbullying, um, and what in my day, again, um, quite happily showing my age, in the playground might be an argument that happened with a mate over conquers <laughs> um or other. Um, actually would be over and done with, it'd be forgotten about because you'd you'd have this spat. You'd go home, come back in the morning and then and, and things have moved on. But actually now, uh, children are perpetually connected, and so is that connected to this rise in cyberbullying? That actually, the the fact that the the playground is now coming home.
1: I think cyberbullying is particularly unpleasant because it can come home with you, and it it can happen in your bedroom, and you don't have those sanctuaries from it that you used to have um, when it when it wasn't a factor in bullying. I don't think it's quite correct to say that children used to get over bullying if it was an argument about conkers and you know you'd make mates the next day because actually we we know it's still true to say that offline bullying is the thing that causes children most harm Uh, if you talk to children about their experience of being bullied it's usually when there's a an offline element and an online element that you really have a situation that becomes quite toxic so offline bullying is still awful it was always awful it's been awful forever every generation's experienced it and it's it's no more acceptable now than it ever was cyberbullying is just added a layer to that awful childhood experience that is even more difficult to manage and 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 that is a unique digital thing it's one of the one of the bad things that's come with all of the good
0: as parents are there things that we should be looking out for if our child is being uh, bullied online do you think
1: there absolutely are and there is an area of parent research and this is really showing my geeky side now the area that i'm really interested in but there's there's an aspect of parenting research that looks at parenting attributions and it sounds really dull but it's actually quite interesting when you think about it That what a parent does when they look at their child is to make assumptions about why they're behaving the way that they are so parents typically might look at a two-year-old and say oh terrible twos i was told that they're going to be awful at two um or you look at a 17 year old who keeps throwing his dirty rugby gear on the floor um, and think, is he really just doing that to annoy me? Because I've asked him and asked him and asked him not to do that. And those are parenting attributions, what you attribute your child's behaviour to. One of the difficulties with digital is that quite often we attribute the wrong thing to the behaviour. So we see an unhappy child and we go, oh, it's because he or she's been spending too long on TikTok, to use the example of the day. Actually, what parents really need to do is to do what they've always done, which is to observe their children's behaviour, to talk to them about it, to have their parenting antennae up so that when behaviour change happens, if they're not flourishing at school anymore, if they are not keeping up with their friendships, if they become withdrawn and unhappy, all of those symptoms that we all see from time to time, parents... Talk to their kids about it and don't assume. That's what we always say to people. Um, don't assume that it's one thing or the other. So Don't assume your child's been bullied just because they're looking a bit miserable. It could be they've broken up with their girlfriend or they've just got a bad mark in their French exam. Um, but do find out. Don't just let behaviour change go.
0: I think that's one of the biggest issues that we hear about. I think it's, it's how do I as a parent deal with what's happening to my child when I don't understand what's happening? What the the world that my child lives in and actually what I'm hearing from you is the fact that we don't understand that world of our child is neither here nor there because we actually we understand our children and if we ignore the the channel the the digital aspect of it if our child had been at school and come home and were exhibiting these kinds of behaviors whatever they might be we would inquire, we wouldn't make assumptions about it, we would We'd want to get to the bottom of it. And so actually I think it's really reassuring that, that even though the pace of tech is increasing, and there's so much more out there, even for a, a self-confessed nerd, that I just don't understand, and frankly don't really want to understand either, that it may not have a big impact on the way that I can help my children survive and, and thrive, if you like, um, in this... this brave new world
1: that's absolutely right um with that caveat that you do need to understand the risks you absolutely do need to understand the risks but once you do all of the old parenting skills that we have um are all that's needed in fact there's some very interesting research about what makes a child resilient online what means that, that they're more likely to have good outcomes and they're more likely to um avoid harm and there are only two things that impact on a child's digital resilience one is good parenting at home good enough parenting as we always talk about and the other is levels of confidence around using tech and those are the things that really matter and um, the parenting bit is not about being the tech team for your family it's about being the parent.
0: Vicky, thank you for your time, your insights, and your robustness. As someone who's quite tech-savvy and a regular social media user, I I thought I had the measure of this. But as we've heard, this space is changing so quickly that it isn't necessarily about knowing the apps that's the most important thing. Being able to teach our children the appropriate behaviours and the skills that they need is fundamentally what we have to do to keep them safe. Although it's also true that there's substantial risks that come with each new app or game, we need to take the time to understand what they are so that we can guide them, or in the case of younger children, maybe shield them. I'm also going to try to be more accepting that my children's world is so much more on screen than mine was, and that that makes it different, not poorer. As always, thanks to you for listening to the Study Sessions podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to our guest as much as I enjoyed talking to her. And if you did, please leave us a review and a rating. There's a new episode every Friday, so don't forget to subscribe and share with other people who you think might get something out of what our experts say.